Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, hi, and welcome to this midweek episode of The Emma Gunn Show. I am your host, Emma Gunn Awardner, and in this episode... Well, it's a little different from the usual midweek show because I'm revisiting an episode that aired two years ago. Now, I'm sure you're aware that October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month and reminding people to check themselves is a message that can't be shared enough. This episode was recorded at Estee Lauder HQ in central London with a panel of guests who gave really incredible and helpful insights into the ways in which we can support ourselves and each other through awareness and regular self-checking. My fabulous panel featured Elizabeth Hurley, who is Estee Lauder Company's breast cancer campaign global ambassador. So she makes a very welcome return to the podcast. And we also had Dr. Zoe Williams, who is a GP and TV doctor, and Lauren Marne, who is the founder of Girl vs. Cancer, and also the co-creator of the award-winning podcast You, Me and the Big C. And she's now four years clear of breast cancer, although obviously when you listen to the episode when she talks about it, she was two years clear at the time because we recorded it in 2019, but she is now four years clear. During our conversation, Elizabeth shares the learnings, her learnings from nearly 30 years in her role as an ambassador for the Estee Lauder Company's breast cancer campaign. Dr. Zoe Williams discusses why women and men are still squeamish about checking themselves and why it's so important to change that. And Lauren shares her first-hand experience and why she is so passionate and committed to empowering people to be an advocate for their own health. I hope this episode achieves in 2021 what we set out for it to achieve in 2019, which was to inform, educate and support anyone listening on the subject of breast health, breast cancer and also the Estee Lauder Company's breast cancer campaign so that you come away from this conversation feeling empowered and hopeful. I'm going to get straight to it. As I said, this was recorded live with a fabulous panel and a live audience, but I hope that the messaging is helpful and empowering because that's exactly what we wanted it to be. Hello, everyone. Hello, hi, and welcome to another episode of The Emma Gunn Show. I am your host, Emma Gunn Wardner, and I'm so thrilled to be joined by this excellent, excellent panel. A welcome return to Elizabeth Hurley, GP and TV Dr. Zoe Williams, 
and broadcaster and founder of Girl vs Cancer and two years clear of breast cancer, Lauren Mann. Thank you so much for joining me. Now, the people in this room will know exactly where we are because they are here, but for the benefit of the people listening, we are at Estee Lauder HQ in central London. And while Breast Cancer Awareness Month, which we are kicking off today, is a global initiative, the Estee Lauder Company's Breast Cancer Campaign was started by Evelyn Lauder in 1992, and she also co-founded the Pink Ribbon, which is the global symbol for breast health and breast cancer awareness. And it's important that we continue to do Evelyn's work that she started in 1992, because those findings do show that every 15 seconds, somewhere in the world, a woman is diagnosed with breast cancer. And there is no one better to put the campaign into context than Elizabeth, who has been the global ambassador now for 24 years. So I wondered if you wouldn't mind telling us about the heritage of this campaign. Well, I think, as I was saying earlier, it's it, our first... We've always had two main uh, streams of effort. Fundraising and... Um, um, sorry, I've lost my mind. Uh, sorry. <laughs> Fundraising and awareness. And they've both always gone hand in hand. Without the awareness, we can't raise the funds. But, you know, we need the funds to bring this to an end. So there'll be a time where we don't need to make anybody else aware of that. So that's really where we started. Um, and I just wanted to say that even though I did end on rather a somber note of my speech, I would just like to add that in the time that even I've been at the campaign, there have been great great improvements in the fields of diagnosis and treatment of breast cancer. There's been a 40% decrease in mortality rates since the 1980s, which is a phenomenal success. Um, doctors could tell you this better than me, but just in layman's terms, um, breast cancer used to be viewed as one disease, breast cancer. People now know through research that there are many different types of breast cancer, all of which respond to different drugs. So, for example, 25 years ago, perhaps everyone with breast cancer would have been blasted with the same drugs. That doesn't happen anymore. There have been great improvements, and it's through funding research that there will be even more improvements. Sorry, was that too long-winded? No, that's absolutely <laughs> fabulous. And would you just remind uh, maybe people in the room and also for listeners at home how you became involved with the campaign? I became involved because um, when I started working for the Esther Lauder companies in 1995, Evelyn Lauder um, came to tell me about the campaign she'd just started and the research foundation she'd started, and she asked me if I'd help. And at that time, it was a very small organization. Um, nobody knew really much about breast cancer. She'd only just co-invented the pink ribbon with the then editor of Self magazine, Alexandra Penny, and she wanted to spread the word and use the media very much as her partners to do that, to tell women more about breast cancer and tell them how they should look after their own breasts and how they should try and raise money to put an end to the disease. Now, <clears throat> Estee Lauder companies have conducted a huge survey of women under 40, and the results came back and said that one in five women have never checked their breasts at home for signs of breast cancer. And Lauren, I can imagine that's a statistic you find quite upsetting and would like to change quickly. Yeah, I mean, for me, it is quite upsetting. But also, I knew that when I got diagnosed at 31, I was not checking my breasts. I didn't know I had to. I have quite a small set. So I thought it would not affect me. I thought I'd have an ample bosom. Um, and it turns out, no, any breast tissue means breast cancer. Um, and I wasn't doing it. I know my peers weren't doing it, um, which, which is really upsetting, because I think in this day and age, we'll feel quite empowered. But, you know, we use our voices, but maybe we're not supporting our own bodies as much as I thought we were. 
Were you surprised it was just one in five? Yeah, completely surprised. But at the same time, surprised, but also I wasn't. So, you know, am I that surprised? Maybe not, actually. And Dr Zoe Williams, <laughs> you speak to women every single day in clinic. And the results also came back and said that there was a real lack of knowledge. People didn't know what they were looking for, and that's why they weren't checking. So you must see that on the ground. How are you sharing that message with people, and how are you communicating with them that they really need to check? Yeah, there's a, this real lack of confidence about checking breasts. I think often we're all overthinking it. You know, we think there's one specific way you have to do it. There's one routine, you know, there's a set way and there isn't. It's just about really getting to know your breasts so you know what's normal for you and then you can identify if something is untoward. And I think in clinic, obviously, I see women who may have concerns and I'll always ask the question, do you regularly check your own breasts? Some women do and that's great and they feel confident and I don't interfere with that. But often the case is, well, no, because I don't really know how to. So that's an opportunity for me as I'm examining them to talk them through how to do it but um but i think that's the thing i think people are perhaps overcomplicating it in their own mind thinking they don't know how to do it and actually no woman should be not checking their breasts because of lack of confidence or embarrassment which is something else that came up in the study um, we need to eliminate that and i think we all have an opportunity in this room to contribute towards that happening in previous episodes of the podcast when we've talked about breast health uh, the phrase has come up several times, know what your normal is, know your normal. How vital is that? I, yeah, I think it's key because, you know, when I did find my lump, which was totally by accident, I didn't know how long it had been there because I wasn't checking my breasts. And I left it for a whole month before I then actually, like, went, actually, you know, it's not my menstrual cycle, this actually needs needs examining. And, and if you're not checking it regularly, it's like we have this big shout about um, breast cancer, don't we, during October, we see a lot of messaging, but it's no good if we're not checking regularly, because mm. you don't know what your normal is if you're not checking regularly. Um, so I actually, I'm going to do a little shout out now, Chris Helenga is in the audience from Copperfield. Um, they have a fantastic service. <laughs> To remind you all to check your breasts, there's absolutely no excuses for any single one of you in this room not to be doing so. That's men and women. You can text the number 70300 and it will send you a monthly reminder text for free to make sure you're giving these bad boys a little squidge. Please do that. <laughs> Elizabeth, you were going to say something. Yeah, I just want to add something. This is something that Evelyn Lauder actually told me personally when she'd always said you have to check your breasts every month. But she also said to me, and maybe Dr. Zoe knows a bit about that too, she said we should always do it at the same time of every month because of the fluctuations which happen naturally during the menstrual cycle. So she said it doesn't matter when, it could be the first of every month or the first day of your period, whatever it is, but you should pick a day and that should be your day that maybe we get that text mm. from you or a reminder because apparently there are changes. They can feel lumpier at times or heavier, different yeah, that's true. They can feel tender, they can feel larger, they can change throughout the month. Um, but there is something that happens once a month to most of us below the age of 40 that could serve as a little reminder as well. <laughs> so again, the again, your period could serve as that reminder. But I do get the texts from Copperfield once a month and they're usually quite humorous as well. They always make me giggle. Food <laughs> puns. Food puns for fun. I'm telling you what, they're great. I think, I think though, there's this anxiety about, you know, if, if there's anyone in this room who's never checked their breast before, thinking, right, well, what am I looking for? What's, what should I be concerned about? What am I expecting to feel? Don't worry about that, just feel them. Just get used to knowing what they feel like. They might feel lumpy, they might feel smooth, they might feel whatever. If there's something there that worries you, see your doctor or see your practice nurse. But actually, 
on that first occasion, it's not about detecting if anything is abnormal. It's about just getting to know what's normal for you. And the first time you feel them, you won't know. The second time you won't, the third time you won't. But six times in, you'll think, okay, well, I'm pretty confident now. I know what my boobs feel like. I know what's normal for me. Um, we said at the top of the show that this was about getting, people, getting women to feel more comfortable about talking about their breast health, breast cancer, and breast checking. And when we've been planning this show, we were actually uh, talking to each other about where we learned how to self-check from. And none of us had ever been shown in the, in the planning group. Now, because this is an audio platform, normally I would ask you to raise your hands, but I'm going to ask for a whoop if you have ever been shown how to check yourself by a female friend or family member. <laughs> I say that's good. Um, also relevant. Thank you so much. Um, a dismal smattering, though, I'd say. It was not an enthusiastic response. So that's what we want to try and achieve here, is getting the women-to-woman -woman conversation going. And actually, you have a brilliant story about a woman taking you under their wing and saying, this is something that you have to be doing. Be aware of your breast health and do something about it to, I guess, stay in control of it or just monitor it. Evelyn. That would be Evelyn. <laughs> yes. Well, as, as I just said, it was Evelyn who um, told me about doing a, a self-breast breast check every month and, of course, going to the doctor if I felt there was anything wrong. But she also... And, again, this is an area of slight controversy because England has different regulations or rules or advice than America. In America, they say that every woman over 40 should be getting regular mammograms. So she actually gave me, for my 40th birthday my first mammogram. Mm -hmm. And she said, think of me every birthday and have a mammogram. So I know in England they have different advice sometimes, so it's worth talking to your doctor about that. But um, yes, there is a recommendation that after a certain age, it is mammogram. Of course, under 40, you can't really have mammograms because the breast tissue is too dense, which is why you're really on your own. So it really is about self-checking and maybe a regular check with your doctor. Even if you go for a sore throat, perhaps you could ask for a check. <laughs> but um, it, it, it is in your hands, really, isn't it? Up until you're, you start going in for regular mammograms, it's going to be up to you. And I can't tell you how many girls I've spoken to over the years who are all under 40 and have all found their own lumps. And very often it was something like getting dressed and suddenly your bra is a bit uncomfortable on your rib or you're sitting watching television, fiddling with a necklace. I was talking to a lady last week. She'd found a lump right here on her breastbone, which you don't even think is in your breast. And she was just playing with it, thinking, what's that? It was breast cancer. Um, so you, you have to be aware. Lauren, you were in the position of finding a lump. Mm -hmm. And I can't imagine what panic went through your mind, but... I wondered what advice you would give to anybody who listens to this, who overcomes that fear and checks and maybe feels something they're not certain about. My advice is that, if it's right, I'm really straight down the line with a lot of things. And Which we love, by Yes, the way. thank you. Um, if it's cancer, it's not going anywhere. And the only way it's going is south and pretty rapidly. So it's up to you to get over that fear pretty quickly. If it's cancer, it's cancer. And nothing's going to change that, but the waiting around will change a lot. Mm. So if you find something that you're, you're not quite sure is right and you're a bit worried about... You kind of just got a woman up and walk into that doctor's surgery and just say, look, I found something. I'm not quite sure, but can you check it out? Most times it is going to be nothing, but in the case that it isn't, if you catch it early, the survival rates of breast cancer are really quite high. The treatments will be a lot kinder. You can save the breast. You can like, have less invasive treatments, and it's, 
you know, it's your responsibility at the end of the day. I hate to put the onus back on the person, but I think we're all of a day and age where we feel quite disconnected. Um, and, you know, we're always on our phones, we're all on this. Get off your phones, get, on your, get in your bra. Um, <laughs> <laughs> not at the same time, that's a different show. Um, but I, I just really urge everyone to kind of take responsibility for their own health. And it is, can be scary, but I think the main thing to remember is you're getting to know your new normal, or your, new, your normal, sorry, I'm in the post-cancer phase, we hear about new normal a lot. Um, but you just know, need to know your normal, and you're not looking for cancer, you're getting to know what's normal for you. So don't be afraid to check, just make sure you're checking. And also I wanted to reassure listeners, Zoe, you have people come into you and maybe say, I, th I think there might be something there, would you mind having a look? You've never thought, silly woman, have you? <laughs> oh, no, no. You know, I mean, we've been doing a very uplifting show, so I'm not going to tell you the sad stories, but actually I've had one patient in particular, it always sticks in my mind, who left it and left it and left it for months and months and months and months, and it was a very poor outcome. Um, I would much rather you come and see me because you've got, I don't know, an ingrown hair in your nipple that you're worried about um, than, than not come and see me because you think I might think you're silly. And if nothing else, even if... If everything's absolutely fine, then that's great. You've given me an opportunity to talk through how to do a breast exam. So, you know, there's no such thing as a wasted appointment with a GP. And we've talked about this communication, and Lauren, you've talked about the fact that you're very straight down the line, which we love. <laughs> you've made real strides with Girl Versus Cancer in your podcast and getting the conversation going. What do you think has been the thing that's really taken people from being scared to talk about it to feeling comfortable to talk about it? I think it's normalising it. I always say that on the podcast and on Girl Versus, we talk about cancer like it's EastEnders. Do you know what I mean? Like, it doesn't need to be this big taboo subject. One in two people will be diagnosed with any kind of cancer in their lifetime, so it's not you, it's someone that you love. And actually, you know, people are living with and beyond cancer a lot longer. So, you know, it's something we just need to get comfortable with. Stop being so clinical and cold. And actually, I think it's up to us as well to have conversations with each other. I think we all shut down a bit. If you could turn to your friend and say, I, it was actually my friend I turned to at Glastonbury in a tent, a little bit worse for wear, and went, I think I've got something wrong with my breast. And she felt it in the tent and went, yeah, mate, get that checked out. So it's those peer conversations, it's those one-to-ones. I think that's what has cha helped change it is with the podcast and Girl Versus, we're talking just openly as friends. It's not this big, scary place. It's accessible. And you did an absolutely fantastic post on Instagram yesterday about it's not just lumps, there are other signs. Yes, yeah, so it's inverted nipple, discharge, a hardening of the breast, any changes in shape, changes to skin, so if you've got puckering, dimpling, people think cancer doesn't hurt, my lump hurt. Pain, persistent pain that is new and persists is a symptom. So don't think you're just watching out for lumps here, it's any kind of change to your breast that isn't normal for you that you will only spot if you're checking regularly. Um, I'd like to come back to you and your clinic, Dr. Zoe. Um, and to just go back to this whole concept of it being embarrassing and women mm. maybe feeling that there's a bit of a barrier about them talking about it and not knowing what to do. And you've said that you show patients, when they give you an opportunity, you show them how to self-check. Mm -hmm. But you're actually doing something really fantastic later on today. Oh, yeah. And for people listening, mm. this content will be living on your social media channels. So anyone listening, whenever you are listening to this, you'll be able to find it. But you're doing a live self-check. 
I am, so 8 p.m. tonight on my Instagram live, I'll be in my bathroom um, with my phone stuck to my mirror <laughs> and I'll be demonstrating how to do a self-check. So hoping that people either in that moment or at any point in the future, if they're really not certain how to do a breast check, then they can have a look at that and see how to do it. Um, because I just really believe that this lack of confidence and embarrassment, you know, we shouldn't be putting our lives at risk because we feel embarrassed about our own bodies. You know, we're born with these, they're ours. We own them, they're our responsibility. And, you know, if we don't feel comfortable having a squidge of them, then I think that's a real shame. Listeners, there are lots of friends of the podcast in the room today, many of whom I have talked with at length about the aesthetics of my boobs, which have been talked on previous episodes as well, but I've never talked about my breast health with my friends. And I do think that that's an important leap that we need to make, is that we can talk to each other and say... As you did with your friend in that Glastonbury tent. Yeah, but it shouldn't even be a lump. You know, if one of your friends goes, oh, yeah, like, your boobs are great, and that top goes, thanks, when was the last time you checked yours? Just bring it in the conversation. <laughs> in any scenario, guys, any scenario. <laughs> Basically, just follow Lauren on social media. She will constantly, with her stories, with her grid posts, be telling you to get your hands in your... Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome. Like, what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Bra. In your bra. Or, you know, whatever, just check them, please. Look in the mirror as well. It's important how they look. It's not just touch. It's the look. Um, I was uh, really honoured to be asked to host this panel here as part of Breast Cancer Awareness Month with Estee Lauder Companies. And one of the reasons is because listeners of the show will know and my friends will know that earlier this year I had a breast cancer scare. And I had 10 days between the GP's office and being told there was something that needed an urgent referral and my mammogram. And in those 10 days, one's head goes to a very dark and dismal place and one gets very scared. And I didn't tell anyone what was, what was happening, didn't tell a soul. But I did chat to somebody, sort of, because I kept listening to the podcast you and I did together two years ago, where we talked about the breast cancer campaign. And you talked about the survival rates and you talked about the progress. And for those 10 days, they were facts and figures that I was able to tether myself to, to have some sort of hope and that, do you know what? It'll be okay, whatever the outcome. Obviously, I'm very glad to say the mammogram came back clear, but I really did hold on to those words. So I wonder, in closing, if you wouldn't mind telling us just how much progress has been made. Well, I think a great deal of progress has been made. As I said earlier, mortality rates are down 40% since the 1980s. And 
If breast cancer is found early, there's a 90% chance of survival, which is just reiterating again, check your own breast so you're familiar, so when there's a change, you can be more sure that the change is a, is a, is a new change, so that it could be an earlier caught cancer. It's, it is, as Dr. Zoe said, not great if you sit on it and it comes later. Otherwise, a 90% chance. So I'm sure you thought, I'm going to be one of those 9 out of 10 women, that even if I have a lump, mm. it would have just been found. And it is vital. It, it's a really interesting thing to balance the good news that we've had, the progress that we've made, to, to actually feel really good about the progress that has been made, as well as still really holding on to that fear that breast cancer is still out there and there's not a cure yet. So we have to balance those two things in our mind, look after ourselves and help raise the money so that the researchers can do their job and finally put this disease to bed. And Zoe, you, you say as well, we should reframe how we think about it and maybe that will also help with the fear factor. Yeah, so I did a poll on my Insta story recently and found that 50% of my followers, many of whom are healthcare professionals, which is even more concerning, are not regularly checking their breasts. So when I asked the reasons why, several people came back and said because they're afraid of what they might feel and they might detect breast cancer there and then. And, you know, as much as breast cancer, we need to fight against it and hopefully, hopefully find a cure. Um, there's one kind thing that breast cancer does, and it gives us a clue that it's there. There are other cancers, like ovarian cancer, pancreatic cancer, and they're often detected late and they have poor outcomes. Breast cancer gives us a clue that it's there, but we'll only find that clue if we're looking for it. So it really is down to us to make sure that we detect it early. And as Elizabeth said, you know, if you detect it early, really we could start to think of it more as a chronic disease than as a deadly disease because nine out of 10 people who detect it early will survive. Thank you so much. We are going to hand it over to a Q&A now to the assembled audience. And as I said, listeners, many, many friends of the show are in the house. We have Jules Von Hepp. Woo! He's whooped, he's whooped. We've got Robin James from Man For Himself, Caroline Barnes. So are there any questions for the panel? Yay, hello. Um, my friend... Oh, I'm so sorry. I am going to do a bit of housekeeping. Please do wait for the mic. This is uh, Natalie from Starry Sunday. Um, so one of my friends has recently found a lump um, that's painful and she's been to the doctor and the doctor has said it's hormonal. How do you know whether to listen to the doctor or to pursue it and go further guess that's one for me right yeah. <laughs> um so okay bearing in mind as a gp as a as an experienced gp i have felt hundreds of breasts and there are different signs that i'm looking for specifically if it's a lump as we said there are lots of other signs but if it's a lump then there are some lumps that i feel very often that tend to go away after two weeks and that could be hormonal something which is termed a breast mouse it's a it's called it's actually fibrous tissue and they move around and they change so with that advice i would hope and expect that the doctor said if this is still there in a couple of weeks then i want you to come back and you know with breast cancer Two weeks is a lifetime, right, if you're worried about a lump. Um, but actually, within a two-week period, a, a breast cancer to develop to the next stage, it takes a very, very long time. So we do have that two... Longer than two weeks, that's for sure, yeah. It's been there longer than yeah, two yeah, weeks. Yeah. And it's still there. Yeah. She should go back. Okay. Any other questions? Robin, oh, no. We'll come to you, Robin, don't worry. Hello. Um, I'd just like to know if there's any correlation between lifestyle choices and 
breast cancer. Is there anything we can do in our lifestyle to help prevent it? Well, having spoken to a, a lot of oncologists, doctors, research scientists, they all are recommending the healthiest lifestyle we can live. Nobody, everybody thinks you shouldn't smoke. Many people think you should very much look at your alcohol consumption and uh, be the healthiest body weight you can be. Um, I think there are some links between estrogen, fat cells, etc. Um, I'm not the person to tell you properly about that. A doctor should. But um, there, have, there have been links. So it's really being as healthy as you physically can, I think. Yeah, I mean, absolutely right. So your risk of breast cancer is partly due to your genetics, which you can't do anything about, but also partly due to your lifestyle factors. Um, and you're right, so fat cells, subcutaneous fat cells, can increase the risk, um, increase the amount of circulating oestrogen. So if you have an oestrogen-dependent breast cancer, then that can be um, implemented. But also things like being physically active. So for postmenopausal women, being physically active, and that's just doing you know, 25 minutes of fast walking a day, can reduce your risk of breast cancer by about 20%. So actually it's a significant reduction in risk and that's irrespective of whether you lose weight from being active, but just being active. So healthy diet, healthy weight, physically act physical activity, but also stress. I think we're learning more and more about how stress as a lifestyle factor um, is really important for, for all chronic diseases and many cancers as well. Well, just to butt in for a second, I'm not going to make you get up on stage, Dame Leslie, and tell us about that. But when I visited Leslie in her, um, in her laboratory, they were doing a very interesting study on cortisol, the stress hormone, and how it could affect you when you're receiving cancer treatments. And I don't know if any of that's conclusive yet, but it was really interesting. We're always told to de-stress. Stress is bad for you. It would seem that it really, really is bad for you and could affect the efficiency the, of your um, chemotherapy. So there'll be more of that to come, and that's exactly the sort of thing that some of the areas of research are, which is more, again, about lifestyle and maybe some preventative matters that we can take. So people are working on that. And it's for recurrence as well. And I know you're really active, aren't you? Yeah. Is that something you talk about a lot, about the importance of being active? Yeah, for me, it's a mental health thing as well, though. But I was really, really active before I got ill. And, and you know, it's, I think it's fair to say, you know, you can't cancer-proof your life, but you can give yourself a fighting chance of having a lower risk. Mm. Um, I just think being, like you said, being healthy in general is going to make things a lot better for you and your outcomes, whether you get cancer, whether it returns. So you've just got to do your, your bit, you know, try and support your body. You only get one, so you've got to look after it. Oh, we have more. We do have Robin James in the front, friend of the show. Hi. Um, obviously, breast cancer is a really personal subject, but what can men do to support women, be it the best thing to do or the easiest thing? Talk about it and check yourselves. I'm glad that's come up, actually, because yeah. men can get breast cancer. Um, so men should be checking their pecs as well. Really important. And I believe there's quite a high-profile yep. case. Um, there is. Beyonce's dad has announced today that he has breast cancer. So, but I think if you're a man, um, check yourself, but also talk about it. You are very much allowed to ask your sister, your mum, your friend, your girlfriend, your partner, whoever, woman next door, maybe check your breast this month, Marjorie. <laughs> 
And also there's a statistic, isn't there, that a lot of, like, in heterosexual couples, a lot of, of males do actually find mm. the lumps of their partners. And I think there's something to be said there that, you know, if you find something, not to be scared to, to approach it with the person that you love and just say, hun, there's something not quite right, I've just found something. Um, again, it's that care of not just yourself, but those around you that you love too. We've had quite a few questions over here. Hi there. Um, I, uh, my name's Helen Addis, and I'm, I'm finishing actually my breast cancer treatment tomorrow. Hurrah! Um, but I wanted just to say that, just echoing what you were saying, that I was 39 last year when I got my diagnosis. Um, went to the gym three times a week, ate pretty healthy, don't smoke, have no family history whatsoever, um, and came across my random uh, lump, um, which came out of nowhere. And I agree that the cortisol levels, that could have been something very much to do with it. But what would you recommend? Is there anything that you would recommend in terms of, I was maintaining everything else fairly well in my, in my, in my life, apart from managing work and three kids and, <laughs> uh, you know, rather lazy husband. But apart from that, um, you know, is there anything you could suggest in terms of, you know, managing stress levels? Well, it's interesting because... Um, with Dame Leslie, I took part in one of her stress tests. Um, so I don't know what you think, but they did something where they took some blood of mine to check cortisol levels at different times during the day. So I thought I would be at my most relaxed and stress-free if I was lying down on the sofa watching Netflix or something. I imagined that was me at my most relaxed. We took, actually it wasn't blood, was it, it was spit. Yeah, it was spit. So we did a test. And then they said, now you have to go for a nicely paced, walk outside, which I did, and spat into the test tube and handed it over. Okay, cortisol levels way down from the walk, up, lying on the sofa watching Netflix. So I didn't know that. People always say exercise is good for you for many ways. It's good for your heart, it's good for your muscles, it could help you with weight control, etc. Who knew it relaxed you? Well, maybe you all did, and it was just me being silly. I didn't know. So... You know, I think we'll be hearing a lot more about the effects of stress on us. It's very difficult to say to people who are stressed, be less stressed. It's particularly difficult for people undergoing uh, chemotherapy to say, can you just be a bit less stressed, please? Yeah. It might be a better treatment, more effective. Very difficult. But somehow, maybe we have to find the way to do that. Maybe there'll be a drug one day, I don't know. But certainly... If this is something, it may become more significant for all of us. So, yes, we have to find a way to de-stress, ladies. It, it's, it's really hard. We're the caretakers of the world. Sometimes we have to learn to caretake ourselves, yeah. and that's hard for us. But it could maybe save our lives. Yeah. So we have to try. Can I just say, before we move on to the next question, lovely Helen Addis is actually the, the magnificent legend behind the Change and Check campaign you may have seen on the rain. And yesterday she launched the Boo Bus. So she's a force. So I just want to congratulate you, Helen, in front of all these lovely people. Thank well done. You. Can I just add one thing in there as well? Something we absolutely mustn't do. If we're talking about the lifestyle factors um, in relation to breast cancer and health in general, what we mustn't do is attribute any blame or blame ourselves and think, well, you know, what if I'd exercised more or what if I'd done this? Because actually most of the time that's not going to make a difference. So we can empower, feel empowered to do what we can to reduce our risk. But actually, for, for most people, breast cancer is the commonest cancer. And for most people who are going to get it, they're going to get it. It's not your fault. It's not anything you did. You couldn't have prevented it. So whether or not you get it, you have less control over. But 
whether you check and identify it early, you know, which we keep coming back to, that's the thing you do have control over. So whether you survive it, you have much more control over. Hi, everyone. Hey, Ate and hello. I'm Ate Jewel. Lovely to say hello. And thank you for everyone who's done so much for this cause. I'm getting very emotional. My cousin, who's more like a sister, has just been diagnosed, and I feel totally powerless. How can I emotionally and practically support her? That's what I wanted to ask. I'll go for that one. Um, I think the best thing to remember is when someone gets diagnosed with cancer, obviously you love them and you want to make it better. You want a solution, but that's not your role. Your role is just be there, listen. And for me, it was a little practical thing. So every chemotherapy, one of my best friends would come round to my house with a massive vat of chicken stock, like chicken stew on the bones. It's got all the good nutrients. It was amazing. <laughs> and I could then package it up put it into like little containers, freeze it. Because when you're going through chemo and stuff, your taste buds go, your energy levels are low. You, sometimes you don't want to even get out of bed to have a wee. Do you know what I mean? So you need to make life easier. And it's, and it's those little things of letting someone be scared. Because I found what I really struggled with was, you know, cancer can be a really scary place and your mind goes to the places. Um, and you want to sometimes articulate that and you want to say, I am scared. I don't want to go back in for chemo, it's torture. I don't want to do this, I don't want to do that. And actually, I found that a lot of my friends and my family would shut me down and go, oh, no, it will be fine. Oh, you can do it. You've only... And it's like, just let me be scared. And I think that is a really valuable thing you can do for, you, for your cousin. And but I know that's not what she needs. Um, what yeah. she'll need is, is big cuddles, um, sitting, a lot of sitting around at her place, probably watching films well when everyone else is on the lash, because that used to drive me mad. I used to be like, I just want to go and get drunk with my friends like a normal 31-year-old. And actually, my friends coming around and having a chippy dinner with me and watching Netflix was a, was a real help. It made me feel like me still. Um, so those are the things. So there's practical things like offering to take them to the hospital, sitting with them during chemo, making the healthy foods, maybe going off and doing a bit of research on your own um, and or asking your doctors for some advice because a lot of people will ask um, them questions and questions are questions to be answered and it can feel like a lot of pressure and you repeat yourself a lot. Also, please tell her, everyone's going to start asking to see her for coffee. She does not have to go. <laughs> I've never been offered for coffee so much when I got sick. So tell her to take care of herself. She's very lucky she's got you to support her and she's going to be fine. Thank you very and if, much. And if you're worried, please just come and talk to me. I'll help her, OK? I think we have time for one more question. Uh, hi, I'm Jackie um, from Sky and I've had breast cancer and I'm five years, five and a half years clear now. Woo! And just to answer your question, the thing I wish people had done for me when I was doing chemo was my shopping. <laughs> Nobody ever offered. No one ever did it. It's a pain in the ass. Do her shopping. <laughs> what a glorious note on which to end this live panel discussion with an absolutely incredible, incredible guest, Elizabeth Hurley, Dr Zoe Williams and Lauren Mann. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to that episode of The Emma Gunn Show. I do hope you enjoyed it. I appreciate your time hugely. If you did enjoy it and you never want to miss an episode, then please do hit the subscribe button wherever it is that you are streaming and downloading this episode. It's also where you get the opportunity to leave a five-star review and a rating for how you feel about the show. And I'd be so grateful if you wouldn't mind leaving one. If you want to get in touch with me, email me at thebeautypodcast at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you. Or you can DM me on Instagram and Twitter where I am at Emma Guns. If you fancy chatting, 
chatting to me and thousands of other fellow listeners of the podcast, then click the link to join the Facebook forum. The link to join is in the show notes, which can be found wherever it is that you are streaming and downloading this episode. You have to answer a couple of questions, but we cannot wait to see you there. Come over and join the conversation. Thank you so much for listening. I will see you on the next one. Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rustolium. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.